0: Hello again, friends. Welcome or welcome back to the Overview Effect with James Perrin. This is the podcast all about having big picture conversations on nature and humanity and more to allow us to step back and get a bigger picture perspective of our world. I would like to start by acknowledging that this podcast was recorded on Bundjalung country in the northern rivers of New South Wales. And I would like to pay my respects to members of the Bundjalung community and First Nations people all around Australia and all around the world. Now, today's episode is from the fifth and final leg of the Resilience and Regeneration Roadshow. This one recorded live in federal in collaboration with RenewFest and Resilient Byron. And the timing is fitting because this weekend, the 7th to the 9th of May, is RenewFest. And if you're in the Byron region, or even if you're not in the Byron region, get to RenewFest. It's going to be a full weekend of deep listening, connection, systems change, regeneration. I'll be holding live conversations with some incredible people. There'll be dozens more giving other workshops and talks. There will be stalls. There'll be music. You'll be inspired. Just check it out. Renewfest.org.au. It's going to be so good. But back to federal i used to live in federal and it's this beautiful hinterland town about 20 or 30 minutes out of byron and it just kind of feels like another world out there it's full of very progressive thinkers it's a very close tight-knit community and i had the pleasure of gathering in the community hall with comedian writer and soon-to-be political candidate mandy nolan now for those that don't know mandy She's a total local legend in the Byron region, and she's a renowned comedian who uses humor to just connect and cut through to her audience, and she addresses big issues. She really uses it to talk about real issues with real emotion. She's someone who has lived and faced real issues of domestic violence and mental health, and she's advocated for environmental causes, and she's really spoken openly and vulnerably about these things for a long time now. She's written a regular column in the local independent newspaper, The Echo, for over 20 years, and she's just someone who's willing to cut through the bullshit. She says what's on her mind, she calls it like it is, and I've got to say, as someone who is entering the political realm, it's such a breath of fresh air. This was a really fun conversation. In true Mandy style, it's full of both hilarity and depth, two things that make us very human. So please enjoy this conversation with comedian, writer, activist, and political candidate, Mandy Nolan. Thank you, Ella. You've read my short bio so many times that you've memorised it. (laughs) Okay, hello everybody. So we just want to get the mic nice and close. How's that? Sound okay? Awesome. So yes, as um, Ella mentioned, my name's James. I actually... I actually live up in the Tweed now, but I did when I first moved to the Northern Rivers, I lived here in Federal for the first six months, so my welcome to this region was in Federal. Coachwood Court. Anyone from Coachwood Court? No. Okay. Damn, I was hoping that would come off, but it didn't. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um but yes, so my, my podcast, um, which was launched last year during COVID was another COVID baby. Um is all about it's called the overview effect and it's the overview effect is this experience this paradigm shift that astronauts have when they first go off into space and from a distance they see earth as a whole and they describe this really profound kind of paradigm shift in the way that they view the world and they feel really connected to nature and humanity in our home um, and I just love that concept and, and so conversations are all about nature and humanity and I'm very grateful and blessed to be able to partner with Renew First and Resilient Byron on these talks. Um, now, Mandy, welcome.
1: Oh, thank you, James. I, I'm glad you're in tweed too because that's one vote I'll get there.
0: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hopefully. I don't know if I need to um, do a, a super formal bio for you. I don't have one, but I'm just going to do one off the cuff.
1: Yeah, that's better. I, I, think the, I don't <laughs> like the super formal
0: ones. They're terrifying. Uh, so let's – correct me if I get any of this wrong, but Mandy Nolan, I'm sure everyone knows, is a comedian, comedic teacher, writer, regular columnist in The Echo, uh, but also someone who has spoken very openly and vulnerably Um, over her experiences in a range of issues, including things like uh, mental health, domestic violence, advocating for women's rights, and um, is really a a wonderful advocate for so many important causes and is potentially soon to be our future member of federal parliament.
1: (laughs) That was really good. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks, James. That was actually... Yeah, yes. Just just for you guys. I was actually saying, when I saw Alan as he went back and he reminded me last time I was here and I said something, I went, because I lived here for a time and I do remember Federal very fondly because it's where I got blasto. Uh, <laughs> the whole fa- it kind of brings the family together. Brings all of us. We're all related now through the blasto.
0: Federal has that about it. I wouldn't be surprised if the Federal Master Plan is actually to just become its own republic and just separate from yeah. the rest of...
1: Actually, actually, do. you know, because I just – I love – Alan came to see me a while ago um, to explain the master plan, what was happening here, because I just love the way federal engages in that communication around how they want their – rather than sitting back and going, oh, that was wrong, going, this is what we want it to look like. I just hate the word master plan. <laughs> isn't it terrible master plan like it sounds like dr evil doesn't it we have the master plan because it comes straight out of the patriarchy the whole idea the master made the plan it was made by a white man yes. who made the plan you've got to get a new name you've got to call it like the mothership or something like you got to, if you want community interaction you've got to change the system start with the language i think that's actually really important even though it's a joke it's actually really important to change the language to change the way you think
0: here here yeah um Mandy, I want to start with a bit of a personal, before we jump, I want to talk about all things kind of, um, you know, politics and all that sort of stuff, but I want to start with a bit of a personal Mm -hmm. story, if if we can, Um, and thinking about that overview effect concept that I described just before, um, have you had any moments, any experiences, any periods of time in your life that have really dramatically shaped your perspective on the world and how you see and interact with our world?
1: You know, I have and it's weird. It is – you have those little moments where I think you have those moments of really quite profound sense of who you are, why you're here and and, and w- w- maybe what you should be doing. And, and sometimes it's not even something you can articulate at the time. And it happened to me when I, I never had a sense it was, it, – it was around sense of place. And I grew up in Queensland country town, always, you know, um, very right wing. Joe Beaucy petersons electorate. We were the, we were told never to tell anyone who we voted for because we were one of about three Labor Party voting families hmm. um, in in the region. And you were you, you would you wouldn't live for very long. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> or you would have a very nice time if they found out. So I never I had a sense of place there, but it never felt like my place because I never felt, you know, it. it, it it's about as close as Australia gets to having an Alabama, you know, I guess, a terrible racism and disconnection. So, coming to this region was really amazing, but I sort of came here a bit on the run, as a lot of people do. Like, we used to come here on the run a lot, you know, I was in my early 20s, I I didn't know why I was here, and I remember, and I didn't, there was no way I was going to stay, I was in Byron Bay, and I wasn't going to stay here, because I had no sense of purpose, you know how you just don't know what you are, or what you're doing, and... I think I was really sad, too, because I'd come from a very traumatised, um, not a normal probably Australian background, you know, alcoholic parent and, you know, a little bit of average trauma. And so you kind of, you know, <laughs> the average trauma, what most people like, it's not exceptionalized at all. It was just... And that general thing as a young person that makes you feel lost in the world, that sense of I am now adrift in a world I didn't make, in a world I can't reason, and a world I can't find that which resonates with me. I really and I felt this profound aloneness, you know, and, and, and nothing makes aloneness worse than public transport. Um, <laughs> sometimes because I was on a bus ride from, weirdly I was coming back from Canberra to here because I'd, I'd gone to see someone in Canberra and it didn't go well and it was more aloneness and it was that bus trip. And as soon as I got on the bus, I just started to cry. Like, and I don't know if you've ever really wept on a bus. No one will sit next mm. to you. Uh, and you know when you don't just cry but your whole it's your whole body like your whole body and it was and I couldn't stop I couldn't stop and this weird thing I was actually quite enjoying it um because it was so cathartic it was like all those things I couldn't reason has a happy ending don't worry um and we go through the night into and I and we come back I'd been living in Byron for a few months and I was about to leave and to where I didn't know because I didn't know what purpose my life had and you know I felt really lost and I arrive at Byron Bay about 5:30 in the morning off the bus I've got black I've got look like Alice Cooper I've got mascara on my eyes are that swollen I can barely see out of them I drag my bag up to Main Beach where I'd been living in a house across the road and I sort of sat on the beach and my flatmate brought me out cup of tea and as I was having a cup of tea it was about the only year they ever had the kite flying um competition or that festival which went to Brunswick heads they had it in Byron that day and that day as I sat there feeling really miserable there was like three or four hundred kites suddenly just in the sky and I it was hard to but I felt this incredible sense of hope and connection and magic and the fact that out of that feeling of gloom and despondency there's this there's this miracle of life of, of being here for what you can never expect and to, that's one of my most profound moments of coming out of this and th- that really narcissistic sense of your own depression and sadness and then just seeing the wonder around you is actually really liberating it takes you out of just being so self, self-obsessed mm. so for me that gave me a connection to this place I went oh I think I have a story here. I think I can't go. I think I have to stay. And I stayed. I've, I've left a few times, but like any relationship you're not quite finished with, I had to come back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and it's been 30 years? Yeah, How about
1: 31, now? 32 yeah, years wow. that I've been here. Um, I, yeah. think,
0: I think a lot of people can, can relate to some of the things you just said, which is, you know, feeling um, part of a world that you didn't create, feeling a bit lost, feeling alone, and then... Having to go through that that grief. I mean, you described it as oh, it in a surreal, way, yeah. in, in a way, you kind of enjoyed it, but in a, in a weird way. But like actually getting opening up and feeling that level of kind of grief and yeah, and despair. it was true
1: grief and despair. It was true sense of you know that kind of thing of like what's the point? That kind of you know. And I I've grown up in a family with a really strong values around social um, justice, around the environment, and I had thought. I remember going to university, and, and you know, I, I I lived in a town where nobody cared, you know, because they were really right wing, but they cared about different things. They had different values. They weren't bad people. They just had different, well, in some cases, maybe but different values. To be true, but when I went to university, I remember thinking, I oh, I'm going to be amongst people like me. They're going to they're going to care about the same things. But it was the eighties, <laughs> 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 and and that was part of it too. I was kind of I just thought everyone would give a shit about how other people lived and Mm. and that they would find an economic system that we live in, you know, completely unjust and and they'd want to see their governments accountable and they'd have a belief in in saving forests and, you know, I remember sitting at a dinner party once and, and it was like a, you know, with a bunch of students in a couple of years above me, I think they were mainly doing finance and business and a couple of med students and... I was like this kind of angry little radical girl and I was the only one that was saying anything in the end. I sort of knocked the wine over and went, well, fuck you all and went in the bathroom and, and kind of threw a tantrum and had to go out the window. I was that embarrassed. Because <laughs> then I went, oh, nobody really gives a fuck. Great. And that was that was the end game of that one. It yeah. was hard.
0: Yeah. And and it's important to, to, to not distract ourselves or, or I guess put our heads in the sand to a lot of these issues so i want to i want to go there i want to ask yeah uh, i know that you're you're soon to be or you are running i was going to say soon to be our member of parliament but are running to be our member of parliament but um what are the so jogging at the moment yeah (laughs) running sounds full on (laughs) but what are the if we can go into this place of kind of feeling the weight of the moment you know feeling the enormity of some of the social and environmental issues that currently face us at this point in time, what are the, what are the big issues that you're feeling and you're seeing?
1: Um, the big issues, I think there's, there's nothing bigger than climate change. There's nothing bigger. There's, it, it's, and it's, and it, because it's such a big issue, we feel quite, I think, disconnected from how we engage with it. And then when I see, you know, we become really... I think we get so sidetracked you know, socially and, and as a community and in our narratives and, and and nothing else matters as much. Like climate change and climate justice um, is around diversity. It's around a whole lot of themes that if we... It's around systemic change. Hmm. And, like, you kind of go... Like, I kind of feel like we're at that point where you go, you need a revolution. We're not going to achieve what we need to achieve within the system by asking for permission by sitting there patiently and waiting for your kind you know your tiny little bits that are pushed to the side to actually look like you know your your three carbon credits when you buy your two dollars when you get your jet star you know all the things that are meant to acquiesce us and make us feel like we're part of it make keep cup you know and you feel like it's you know that keeps us compliant because the real change you know like a like a country that is still going forward with fossil fuels, the real change. Like, you go, like, how can that happen? How can that have any responsibility to the... I feel, as a mother of, like, five kids, you go, these are generations are going to inherit, mm-hmm. you know, such a diabolical mess and, and a lack of future. Like, how, how, how is that permissible? How, how is that? That makes me so angry. Like, I go, that, you know, greed. I guess the big thing is, is, is greed... Um, I suppose I've always been a bit of a socialist, although the socialists really irritated me as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and, and I guess it's like a kid really having a sense of what's fair, you know, and, and what is equitable mm. and and that, you know, I really believe the system we, we live in is, you know, capitalism is never going to allow us to live in, in, in a shared community of shared resources where you know it's always about allowing it's a trickle down you know sort of effect all the time and you know it's not it's not a kind of it's it's a whole different shape of a system it doesn't it it likes to pretend it can but and I guess we have to start looking at what do new systems look like what how do we engage and how do we disrupt you know we've got to really disrupt stuff and Mm -hmm. that's that's it's never been more important because that like you do get that sense of there is a sense of doom that you know yeah. unless we make the changes there there won't be a future to inherit. We will have ruined the most extraordinary planet you know. Um, mm. Which uh, I, mean, I don't know if you've ever lived in a house and not got your bond back, but I think when you ruin a whole fucking planet, um, chances are Mars won't want us. <laughs> 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 We're not going to go through the rental approval. Um, <laughs> they go, oh no! What did you, we, we had to get a reference from Earth, not so good. Um, and like it's terribly funny, but it's really not at all, you know. So it's, yeah. So that I find that um, that inability for governments um, to to really address mm. the most pressing issue that we are facing ir- and, irresponsible.
0: And I hear what you're saying in that you can't. It's kind of that, like that old Albert Einstein, I'm pretty sure it was Albert Einstein, someone correct me if I'm wrong, We he said you can't solve a problem by looking at it through the same lens in which it was created. And so we can't, we're, we're past trying to address these issues in the same rules of the game, in the same um, little boxes in which we've put ourselves, really. And I think something that, that resonates for me and something that's coming out through what Alan introduced us with and all of these workshops that, we've been presenting over the last few months is coming back to you know those authentic human connections what makes us real what makes we, we all know we we all know the right thing to do we all know what we want how we want to help our neighbor or what type of future we want to create but for whatever reason the rules of the game of this capitalist system of in which we operate distorts us and changes our decision making and I I just keep... For something in me, it keeps coming back to human connection. And I think where I'm trying to tie this to, Mandy, is you've had a career in comedy and you've also, in parallel to that, really opened up about your personal stories and your kind of, you know, authentic vulnerabilities and storytelling, which I think both of those things build real human connection. You know, the role of humour in to make mm. someone kind of a human and personal and real. And... I want to ask you, kind of, how has how that role of humour and personal connection kind of shaped your career and your life? And as you went to politics, how is that going to play out? Because I can't imagine any polar opposite stereotype between a comedian and a politician. So I'm I know. Really...
1: <laughs> yeah. Tell me about it. Um, I think it's going to be really difficult for me, actually. Um, but I, I think I have to be up to the challenge mm. um, because I can't talk about changing the system and be like them. Like, you can't and, – and that's the idea. You need different voices. And if I wanted – I don't want to be doing – honestly, the last thing – I was asked three times or something if I was – you know, if I'd do it. And I'm like, I'm a really keen activist. I'm like, oh, my God, the thought of having to be, you know, in parliament with all those privileged white men as you have seen it unfold, you know, rapey, um, very rapey play. Like it is, isn't it? You don't. It's not a, It's not a. It's no coincidence that a country built on colonialisation um, that hasn't had a treaty with its First Nations people has a parliament that's actually besieged with rape culture. Oh, what a mm. surprise! So anyway, that's. It's kind of like you go. Well, that that's actually. If anything, it's very consistent with their brand. <laughs> <laughs> if you're in marketing you're very consistent with your brand um, so yeah not really really keen about that um, and it frightens me you know I have to say you'd be really scared of um, having to maintain your your voice and all of that because people I guess I've had people relate to me look every week people relate to me and then they say I liked you last week this week I hate you uh, <laughs> I get a lot of that um, shifting sands Um I think people respect the truth and I think you don't or they respect honesty and they expect lived experience of something and if you can share a little bit of your insight um and I think storytelling is really powerful and I think I think and I think engaging in conversations is really powerful mm. and I started writing my column for The Echo, you know, 20 years ago, and at first I wrote funny stuff, and then after a while I was going, oh my God, this is so corny, like all the time coming up with funny stuff, like, it's funny being funny, but eventually I'd have something that was really, I wanted to talk about that was actually serious, because I'm quite a serious, you know, I'm funny, but serious at the same time kind of it's not something you pull apart it's kind of that's kind of how it goes it's sort of both mm. and then I went wow this is a huge opportunity to have the voice or the ear of you to have a voice and to, ha- to a privilege to have the of an independent newspaper um in a community for 20 years that have never censored me like they've never and I've nearly got them sued a few times very close to a <laughs> couple of times um and I think you can't under- underestimate the power that little newspaper has had in um, in, in helping me reach a, a, an audience that want to hear something they don't feel like is really being said in the mainstream media, or it's a point of view that's un that hasn't been touched on as much. and And, and I think that's powerful. I think it shows you how powerful small independent media can be, and how indep- how powerful. Um, different points of view yeah. can be as well. So I hope... Oh, I don't know, James, going into Parliament, um, I imagine... <laughs> I can't wait for them to pull out videos of me, which will happen. I won't even... Have, it'll happen in the campaign. You go, and then she advocated for male castration. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: and I, To be fair, it was a joke. <laughs> but now you've mentioned it, I'm thinking about it as a policy. Uh, <laughs> you know... You get, there's so much of what, and then she came on naked, and rolled on the floor, and you're going, wow, that would be great for my maiden speech. Um, we were talking before about going into Parliament House and smudging it, but I went, wow, you'd need, you'd need a giant, you'd need a smudge stick as big as the big jo- giant, <laughs> big joint at um, the Mardi Gras. So yeah, it is, it is, it is a um,
0: I think a I think, weird thing. I think you've got to use that and roll with it because. Um you know, we're all sick of the, the politicians who are uh, curated, um, muzzled, you know, they, they're kind of really just robots. You and nobody know?
1: says anything. People are just saying what they need to say. And you could, you, you've got to go, you just, you I think people, and you, like, you think people can't tell, you know, can, when has anyone ever admitted they're wrong? Like, and often you went, you know what, I didn't have all the information. I probably should have, uh, I, I was wrong. Like, no one will ever admit they're wrong anymore because everyone's worried about litigation. and You're going, you know, I think at the end of the day, people will be so impressed by someone that admitted they didn't have all the information at hand. Yeah. I think that's really important
0: too. Yeah. Or, like, if, or if someone just kind of got up and say the, the opposing party was, say, putting an idea forward and just went, Do you know what? That's, pr- that's a that's pretty, pretty good so idea. That. I'll work with, let's yeah. work together on that. Yeah, as I'm opposed a, to I just know. shutting them straight down. Um,
1: that's hard, isn't it? Because it is. It is, you know. You mean you work in a system of conflict, mm. conflict and conspiracy, with, with too little collaboration, and, and too much, um, too much, um, decision making for small amounts of vested interest, and very little that, in the end, for community and mm. for and 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 for people. You know, that, and that's sort of how the system works, I guess. And I
0: think, and we, we were just touching on this before as well, before we started recording, I think that's kind of the appeal. The, people go, well, I don't like the system we have. I don't like the status mm. quo. I think we can all feel that on a variety of levels. Um, and so you get someone who is anti-establishment or anti-the system like Trump, and I think a lot of people, even though it's a very distorted way, a lot of people go, well, that's different. That's change.
1: He's not anti establishment. He is the establishment. That was the greatest joke of all. I went, You you you're the king of, of of capitalism, you know. What you don't want is transparency and you don't want compliance and you don't want rules. You know, and, and that horrible it's kinda of hard. It is the cult of I call it the cult of the individual. Because we also desperately attached and you've been marketed that that has been marketed to you it makes you so easy to control because what you will defend it's really hard there, there are freedoms but this whole sense of me as an individual and my and me this and my right to this is is so incredibly against you know the sense of you as a culture and as a community in first nation cultures and communities very often Never, I know Indigenous Australians never operated like that. It was a sense of a of a community, the sense that one individual that I like this and I should be able to do this because I said I you know that whole I the mm-hmm. I has been so magnified. I think that's that's how capitalism works because everyone believes they have a right um, to do something, even at the detriment of someone else. I did write something recently, and I and I talked about the concept of the greater good, which most people know, you know. Um, you know, mid 1800s, Stuart Mills, a sort of you know, a writer, a libertarian writer, wrote about the concept of the greater good. And the greater good is the idea that you have make a decision based on what not what not what is good for a few, but what is the greater good for the general community. It's quite a it, it's a fairly good measure because not everyone's going to love everything. And, I, and the person I had quite a few people go. And what's this? You just made that up. <laughs> and I went, oh no, <laughs> they think mm. I made up the greater good. Ah. <laughs> Because that's how far the whole age, and the person couldn't get the concept that you would make a decision not based on your what you want. Yes. Yes. And I went, isn't that the most? That to me is more terrifying than the fact that what was the late like, I was watching the thing that Bill Gates is. What's he doing now? He's doing something. Um, um You know, because we create these elaborate ideas of them and they and and the monster, and we are the monsters. Yeah. Not them. It's us.
0: Yeah yeah here here there's Imagine no them it versus the versus conspiracy
1: us. is it turns out it's us
0: yeah
1: <laughs> it's the big me the big i
0: and, and you joke about it but it's actually so true because when we can go it's them it's the um, other then yeah. we're not responsible and we can put the blame to someone else whether it's the billionaires or whether it's the other party or whether it's whereas what you're right when we go do you know what it's it's us. It's all of us. We've all got a role to play here. It's,
1: yeah, it's me. It's it is a system. Yeah, it is definitely the system. Mm. The system that we're party to, and it's also part of, you know, we're all brainwashed to an extent, you know, a, a, about how we how we operate and and how we can change and how. Um, there was a really lovely story I heard, and this sort of a bit like that was. Um, I think they were recording. I'm oh, terrible. I can't remember what the actual album was, but it was, it was a, an indigenous choir from Central Australia, and none of these women. They'd sung for a long time and they had to go into a studio and record one voice at a time. Um, And none of these women had ever heard their voice on their own, ever. And they couldn't stop laughing. (laughs) Um, And I thought, that's a profoundly amazing story about having this sense of community and connection of who you are with each other not who i am as i have because you know think about voices it's all these competitions our culture has about i've got the best voice it's called the voice about being the learned person out there being more profound and amazing than you and how beautiful to have people that sing together that don't even know what they sound like Mm. wow you know that's connection
0: yeah yeah I love that. That's, that's a beautiful, beautiful. story. Is that a beautiful story? Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to give us a couple of seconds of pause to <laughs> land that. That was wonderful.
1: Yeah. I wish I had the actual <laughs> name of of the the choir, but actually I think it's a story that's actually quite
0: beautiful. And you know, was, um uh, this conversation is I'm um, reflecting on the conversation I had a few weeks ago in Bangalore with Richard Jones where he he had similar sentiments where he said isn't it i used to invest in properties and rent them out and make money off of them and now i just think that's a crazy idea because it's me getting wealthy at the expense of someone else and you talked about before about the I and us individualizing everything and the fact that we put up fences around all of our properties and then that's ours to own that's our little block of land and we operate and i mean my neighbor i think my fruit tree grew over his and he through a tantrum because he had to <laughs> chop one of my branches down, you know, and it's just it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy.
1: I know this whole idea of like that you know, that and property has become, as we know, around here, it's become, you know, a, a massive issue. And 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 it because it has become, you know, it's become the major like a huge industry of you know, I think you would have seen the the the, the map for It was the Airbnb map showing, sorry, three and a half thousand properties out of our rental market that are um, whole properties that are leased. We are a small region. We don't have that much housing. Mm. And then I think today in Domain, we have the most – Byron Bay in particular has the hugest increase in – in their rental, we're we're now on our, our median rental is now on par with people living in places like Balmain, um, and when you consider that most people are on very low incomes, um, most people in the rental market are in um, hospitality or um, they're teachers or they're they're not they're not able to pay generally those kind of rents. You um you see the impact, and then you have you know this unregulated market on one level and then you have no access to um you know, we're thousands of homes behind in our community housing and actually giving us housing equity in our, in our region because we've our our homes have been used to profiteer and we all it's always I've always felt bad standing up and speaking about this because I've got lots of friends that are doing it. Mm. <laughs> and you know what I mean? Mm. Like and I'm not wanting. You have to chase that thing. You go. You've got to change your mindset. Like you've got to, you know, the fact. You know, you know. How do we? How do we get reform in the way we? You know, a long-term rental isn't six or twelve months. Mm. You know, that's bullshit. You know, I mean, how how do we return housing stock back to our community? Um, and that is that whole thing. Well, it's my house. I bought it. It's an investment. And, you know, some of the people that have properties in Airbnb, most of them live out of our area and most of them have many, many, many properties, like hundreds in some cases. So, um, that's, you know, there's a whole lot of sort of issues around that and that's, you know, it's very hard to undo that kind of um, travesty.
0: Yeah. But I guess it's in... that's what we're here to try to do you know In these Mm. these kind of community forums we're here to talk about regeneration we're here to workshop it and what better place than a community like federal that's so progressive in this kind of thinking and i think if you if you had to leave us with something which is what would you like to see us in this workshop this community what sort of ideas or or themes could we take forward what would you like to see
1: that's a good question james (laughs) (laughs) That's a big one to set your task out there. Mm.
0: Um,
1: I guess I'd like you to think about. Um, I guess you've got two lots of change. You've got systemic change, and what does that look like for you? What does systemic change look like for you? What are the system? I think even being aware of what the systems are that you live in, and what the framework is that that basically encapsulates the way you think and the way you interact, um, and and you know how you see your future in that sense. What are those systems? And then what do you see of value in your community? What do you want to see happen? And, and, and look at something like housing. How do we provide housing across the board for more people? How do we kind of kind of break that system a little bit? The kind of housing has gone from, you know, it's seen as, and then it's seen as welfare. It should be seen as infrastructure, like roads. Um, we've got to change the way we look at it. Um, and the way housing is now a way of measuring people's legitimacy. If you're a 50-year-old person and you don't own a home, there's a sense you're not legitimate. If you if you can't get a rental, and you've got you've got kids and you're homeless, you are seen as a failure. You if the if the government finds that, you are at risk of losing your children. Like you, they're, they're kind of they're huge issues. So I guess mm. I would like to see what kind of how how would you, you know, look at this? I'd like to say look at what are the systems that you are in and, and be aware of, of those so that affect your thinking and our framework? And then how could you change the way you approach something like housing in your region? Mm. What kind of rental reforms, for instance, could happen? What could you change with the way you use your land or your or your space? Mm. So much land is now used for... Um, you know, a lot, a lot of people have big properties but they're not growing food. You know, a friend of mine who's a, a landscaper told me the other day... um. He works for a gentleman who's very, very wealthy who has like a 100 acres and he's terrified of snakes and he has spent hundreds of thousands of dollars of snake netting every part of his property. And I went, he needs to live in a fucking apartment yeah. <laughs> uh, and give the land back to someone that knows how to use it. Can you imagine the amount of animals that you would like? It would be like I never thought about bycatch on land <laughs> yeah. because some idiot who's moved from the city who wants the dream is terrified of nature you know and we often you know and you're going that i, I think that's i've got so many things it's like crazy. i
0: could go forever well oh, I will. We, we we should but um we we do have to let the good people of federal solve the let housing them. crisis
1: and they've got lots they've got quite a bit of land sometimes too <laughs> enough can you solve the housing crisis
0: that would be great um Mandy, thank you so much, not only for your time today and sharing your thoughts with us, but also for all the work that you've done and continue to do. You, you know, you, you told us about that story, driving from Canberra to Byron, crying the whole way. I hope you don't cry flying between Canberra and Byron. <laughs> I know, probably
1: will. <laughs> on
0: all the trips you do, but back and forth between Parliament House. <laughs> but uh, please join me, everyone, in thanking Mandy Nolan. Thank
1: you. Oh. Thank you very much, James.
0: Pleasure.
1: Thank you, both of you. I love the we are the them. It's such an important one to get. And we are being the we. <laughs> the them, the them we. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a really scary Netflix here's a, here's show. All the, here's all the them, which we were wondering who them are. <laughs>